Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. We can just take it down. Take it down. I want to be yeah, right. There we go. How about that? Doesn't that look good right there, though? He just adjusted it. Joe. Yeah, Joe. yeah, yeah. That's, that's much that's, better. That's, that's good much right better. There. The point Mike's, is... Mike's a little louder, though. Mike's a little louder. Yeah. The point is... Yeah. That's classic. Turn me up. Turn me up, man. Turn him down. Down. He needs to well, go down. I need to go I up. Gotta, no, I'm, I'm joking. R- that's right in my face. And, all right. Let's time this puppy because Thanos is going to come in and we're going to be in trouble. We go over. Who's drinking grapefruit juice? What? Are we on? Yeah. Welcome okay. to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. There you go. Can we get a little... Yeah. Hey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Forced. We need an, Bernardi app- edition. an, an applause sign above us to just, you know, every time we say, or a laugh track or something like that. So, yeah, welcome to the podcast. This now, this is, was already rolling. I don't know if that means yeah, we're good. We're half good. the show's over. Yeah, we do the natural roll in. So, this is Father Mike, as you guys met at uh, St. Peter's. And uh, I'm happy to have him over here. So, he showed we up. We don't really do this with a live audience or any audience at all. So, <laughs> usually it's me talking to him. And it's a little strange. Yeah, it's very strange. I, I, we've, I've people. done this twice live. Have you ever done it live? No. My, I was terrible both times. Yeah, I've heard, so this I've heard is, that. This is the third, if this is the third strike tonight, Who then told us it's that? over. No more live. We have something in addition that's uh, special tonight, or kind of special, I guess. The guy on your right and the guy on my oh, left. Oh, you're talking about the people. Yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking about well, like there are, the yeah, setting there, yeah, and everything. Exactly. Yeah, we do have some special guest priests. Do you want to start? Father Evan Koop is the tallest priest in Minnesota. He's also one of the holiest and uh, a good friend to us. He's been a part of our uh, little companions crew this year. Uh, he's studying at the <laughs> Gregorian with the Jesuits. And he, is that right? I freeze. I get nervous, okay? I, I he don't do, he does get very nervous. Do you want to introduce so. yourself, Father Adam? Yeah, slide that microphone over. So We're sharing two microphones. Okay. Come on, Big uh, Boss. Tell him why your nickname's The Big Boss. <laughs> Uh, no, that's a good. Moroccan man who didn't really speak English gave us each nicknames, nicknames when we went to Tangier. And you got the cool nickname. I uh, got Big Boss. He was Father Father Mike was the professor. Uh, the professor. I think it's the glasses. And then uh, Father Clockman, I guess who who whom your podcast listeners would know by yes. now, uh, was what was he? I forget. I'm sure he remembers. But you were uh, you were perfect because you were like you were like Mr. Guy. I was just like the most. <laughs> I obviously like had a very plain-looking face exactly. to Moroccans, so they were, he was very Which unimpressed. Was no, but I'm I'm studying at the Gregorian, where there are some Jesuits. Yes, and um, <laughs> it, it is a Jesuit institution, I don't know why I you like founded by yeah, founded by Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, there you uh, go. Who founded the Biblicum? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did. Okay. No, 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 no. That was that was a that was, that a, was question. a question. That Slide the mic, guys. Slide, guys. You're sharing. Hey, 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 that you're sharing you're clause, sharing a microphone sorry. here. So you slide the mic, you talk in the you talk into the microphone and then you slide the mic. Dogmatic theology, actually very similar uh, to uh, Father John uh, in the area of Mariology, uh, and specifically uh, the Mariology of Matthias Schaben and John Henry Newman. I like how you said Matthias. Uh, the, uh, what do you do? He's Joe? German. <laughs> in Scotland, that's what they do I'm when you try and sound back. fancy. <laughs> Father John, they can't see that. This no. is a radio show. Oh, <laughs> He's like wiggling his fingers under his beard. Well, uh, I would like to introduce the guy on my left here. Uh, about 15 years ago, I showed up and met this guy named Jared Licky from Kentucky. And we used to tell him, Licky, you need to put a shirt on under that jean overalls before you go to class every day. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. And, it's uh, part of the St. Thomas dress code. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
He uh, from Henderson, Kentucky, and um, home of Bourbon Country in Kentucky. There, and he's been a good friend for many years. Joined the uh, Order of Preachers and is now Father Austin Litke, and uh, one of our chaplains here with Father Coop and myself. So good to have you, buddy. Thanks. I'm so glad. I've been listening to the podcast since day one, and I've never oh, actually yes. been on a podcast before, despite asking several times. There's Ooh. a reason. There's a reason for that. He's one of he's had shout-outs and everything. Who, who described the Dominicans as sassy? Who was that? Somebody said. Yeah, it was Nicole. Said it's part of the charism of just. And I said so. No, no pot shots tonight. You keep it. I think true. that's true. Keep it above the belt. Okay. So, so we're happy to have uh, Father Austin here and Father Evan, both of whom fans have requested. So they're obviously getting sick and tired of us. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not surprised either. That's why I keep the microphone away from you. Uh, you can pass it to yeah. No, so um, a quick story on the podcast because what are you going to get out of here? Get out of here. Uh, introduce them. Yeah, introduce our yeah. live audience, our live studio audience. Well, okay. So are we 32? Now we're 31. Oh, Annie's gone. Something like that. We're somewhere between two and 50 in this room right now. We got two seminarians here with us. Will. Who actually listens to the podcast? Troy, do you listen to the podcast? Oh, that's okay, Troy. But Ellie also does, but no one else in this room does. So one of the reasons we wanted to have a, oh, yeah, now they all, oh, yeah, oh, we all listen. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. So, no, we wanted to give them an opportunity to actually hear it because um, this podcast thing is for I old d- people, Mike. I can say for sure you know that? that only one gave us beef jerky. That There's only a gift from one. And your brother? That was from your brother? What's his name? Brian and Tommy, Will's beef jerky. Brothers. Thank you. It You're was amazing. You're the best. I've Jack been hungry. Links. Thank you. I haven't had protein in six months, so that was amazing. <laughs> so thank you for that. And then we also have Joe McGill here on our left, who during the Q&A here in a few moments, we're going to open it up, and Joe also is a potential. Um, so you can ask Joe all those all those questions uh, that uh, you've been looking for. So I didn't even introduce them. So yeah, you want to introduce them? Yeah. Who are these people? You want to explain? Because people listen to this podcast, and they're thinking, like, there's people laughing in the background. Who are... Where are we? What are we doing? Okay. So. Do they know uh, your day job? I mean, do the listeners no. know what you well, do? No. Well, I've talked about you guys. Yeah. Okay. So we are at uh, yeah. the uh, Bernardi campus, which is uh, a building uh, owned by the uni- uh, University of St. Thomas in Rome. Tell them to get it's closer. It's a building. Um, <laughs> and uh, so this is where uh, students from the University of St. Thomas study abroad for uh, a semester at a time uh, in Rome. And so we're here with... 31-ish, 32-ish students who are either majoring or minoring in Catholic studies at the University of St. Thomas. And Father John and I and Father Austin are chaplains. And Father Austin is the only one of us who actually was here as a student. Is that correct? That's right. Back in 1994? 2003. Thank you very much. No, 14 years ago I was here, so just doing what y'all did. So watch out what could happen to you. You might end up as a Dominican. That would be a very scary thing. So, not sure why we're, cu- we're readjusting everything. Father Mike likes to Before just like mess with everything. What I know. What are we I'm doing? I'm messing with levels. Don't okay. worry. So this <laughs> this is like my dog Niblet. Oh, yeah, I know. Everything's <laughs> Her leash just right gets now. wrapped around the tree, and All she right, just like lays down. Asking <laughs> I want to know. Father Mike lost I his was shoes over already. Here, uh, trying to read one of these little tan books on um, John Vianney. And I heard some folks singing in the chapel. They just got out of mass. It was beautiful singing. And it was, uh, I thought that I was listening to the angels. Oh, you're so But sweet. I want to know who was singing. And that's not, I'm not just flattering. Emily. I really liked that. That and was who nice. Was, who was you. harmonizing with you, Katie? 
It's beautiful. Oh, yes. Thank you. Good, good. good. Yeah. Put your headphones on. That good was singing. Great. Very good sweet. singing. He's such a nice guy. We love guy. good Catholic music for Mass. If Thank you want to know what Father Mike's like, um, the best image I can describe is his dog. Uh, because have you ever heard how dogs and their owners become basically the same? You know what this Yeah, Amanda's nodding her head. So I watched this happen where he and her name was Felicity Cornbread. Uh, he named her. Cornbread. <laughs> a country dog. Felicity was her Christian name. Cornbread. Uh, why cornbread? Because Car- everybody loves cornbread. <laughs> Because everybody and I thought loves it sounded cornbread. like a country name. Yeah, cornbread. Cornbread was raised in the country. Cornbread is now in the city and uh, it's gotten real fat. Yeah. From what we hear. But yeah, she cor- looks like a loaf. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she's grown. But in her day, she was a lean fighting machine out and. Um, Wait, corn- well, now uh, this is about me. Yeah, yeah. So this is my image for. Ex- I'm introducing you to I Bernardians. See. So I see. Go on. Cornbread was funny, right? So cornbread would. Not give you the time, almost like a cat in the sense. It was like, what was it, a shelty corgi? Yeah, a lot of corgi. Had the kind of crazy look in her face, you know, but she was cute. She was a sweet, sweet dog. Very sweet, but kind of distant. And she would do this thing where she would just like get real sweet and she'd come and let you pet her. And then she would just take off and she'd be gone for five days, six days, just like, up, oh, she disappears and then she comes back. She kind of is back, and she's, oh, we're best buds. And then all of a sudden, she's just like, I'm done with you. I'm out of here. So that is Sounds like a really unhealthy friend to have. <laughs> I'm not sure I like this metaphor. It's a blend of spontaneity what about and warmth. That's what I was kind of going yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Okay. There you go. So, and he, he, this is a guy who's writing a dissertation right now, um, a, a brilliant one. But every day, I have to check his room to make sure he's still there, because the most recent talk is um, that he's going to run off and get on the Trans-Siberian Railroad and just yeah. write for months and yeah. just disappear. It could happen. Yeah. It could very well happen. I, I you start to go crazy when you have to work on something like that for years and years. And I'm kind of crazy. I don't know. I have to sister's a nurse. <laughs> I might have to talk to her about it. <laughs> I wish we could describe that look I don't you know, just do got. You, do you diagnose are you a psychiatric? She's not, not a, psychiatric a psychiatric nurse. nurse. That's probably for the I'm best. Still looking. <laughs> Anyone out there? So what about this? I had another question. This no, you be, don't. Uh, this this is, they're, asking question. they're asking questions here. I know they're asking questions. There's a board out here. When you come into the house, it's like a study abroad program. So they have this big bulletin board with um, business cards from all of the various restaurants. That's cool, you know? And then it shows you the deals and, like, how to get in touch with people. Yeah, it makes sense. But there's earbuds just hanging on the <laughs> same wall. Only business cards and earbuds. And I have no idea why the earbuds were there. It's like a trophy. <laughs> like, I went on tour. She says it's from the tours. On tour. Uh, audio tours. Yeah. Are, is it like a gift for the next guy? No, don't talk to him because he's just interrupting you. And, and <laughs> Okay, so there's too many of them. They're giving these things for site visits on tours in Rome. It's an earbud. And it's just an, an earbud. Right. Anybody, it wasn't too. Hold I on a second. That. Can I get a raise? Does anybody actually call them earbuds other than him? I've never heard this phrase until I... Yeah? Oh. Oh. Looks like somebody's <laughs> an idiot. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. No more questions. That makes sense. All right. Like, I just wanted to know that. People are listening. They're you like, what? This is totally out of context. Now I do. Just Earphones. Head, okay. Headphones. So the, the deal was they have an excess of these things, they so they just start putting it up. So it's, it's one, like one of those gum walls. 
if you go to the amusement park or in some cities, they have walls where people just put their gum on the wall. I think it's like that. All right, pass me that beef jerky. And now we're getting stringy. down to business because okay. what you Questions. just experienced was sorry, 10 minutes was... of banter, right? And <laughs> that's what we... Yeah. So we just bantered. That's... Thank you. Is this our teaching? Have a little uh, beef jerky. This is called banter. It's called banter. So banter developed um, because most of the podcasts are a third good theology, solid, intellectual, prepared. A third is Wikipedia, and a third is just straight BS, just straight made up. So usually we kind of counter that with a little, at the beginning, buffer it with maybe eight, ten minutes, and then at the end we close. Content's not made up. But what we'd like to do tonight is open it up. This is disgusting. Now I'm chewing into the mic. Um, Why don't you talk? Explain what we're doing. I was told that what we're doing this evening is going to uh, take questions from the audience, from the students uh, to whom we've been ministering uh, over these past weeks. And so all the questions you had, are they supposed to be theological or can they be personal life questions as well? Mm. What do you think? Depends on how personal. (laughs) (laughs) I may not answer. You can ask Cornbread whatever you want tonight. (laughs) Cornbread is ready and willing. Okay, I guess we have veto. I have some stipulations, though. Yes. Um, Here is, yes. I'd like to control everything tonight, as uh, as we did yesterday. So, no, they're not. They did ask. They asked some strange questions. It was like, who was it? Like Cardinal Pell, and you're like, what's your wildest dream from college? And I was like, oh my, no, Don Briel. That's what it was, Doctor Briel. Yeah, tell us. Yeah. And did you accomplish? I think that was Cuba. No, Johnny, maybe. I forget one of these guys. It was a bold. It was beautiful. But we were loving it. It was Doctor. It was Doctor Briel. That was. Definitely a highlight, but yeah, you can ask any questions, but here's the, how it's going to work, because some of you know where the landmines are in, this rela- in these relationships, so certain topics that we've discussed uh, at length this semester, so, and we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, so what we're going to do is when you ask a question, you have to ask it to one of us, but each guy gets one chance to bounce it to another, all right, and this includes Joe McGill. You like the bounce rule? Okay, so. One bounce all night? One bounce all night. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't burn your bounce right away. If you have a bounce rule, that means the questions are going to get obnoxious. Nah, they're not going to get obnoxious. They're going to be good. I see it in their eyes. <laughs> Melina is, is Snapchatting in the back. We've already lost her. Mary, don't, you're no better. Jesus. That's right. That's cool. Millennials in their phones. Days. I know. <laughs> okay, we're ready. First question. Who's going to lead us off? Matthew. Okay. There we go, Father Licky. And then, re- guys, when you get it, repeat the question back in so they can hear it. Okay, so the question comes from a student. I will have silence. Okay. How many time? How much time do we have? Okay. He said so. He he said, "Don't make us fight." The no. The question from a student from Creighton University uh, is, "Why does everyone hate the Jesuits?" Okay, I was speaking too loudly. Is that better? Is that fat enough? Mezzo? How about this? Like this? Is that better? Okay. Uh, levels. Levels test. All right. So the question is, why does everyone hate the Jesuits? First of all, not everyone hates the Jesuits. I'm sure their moms don't hate them. <laughs> And the truth of the matter is this, is that uh, in life, when you agree with someone on almost everything, you fight about the 2% of the things that you don't uh, agree on really rather strenuously. Uh, and so it's, I would say, between different religious orders, so Dominicans, Franciscans, Jesuits over time, although there's a clear objective metaphysical hierarchy among them, um, uh, 
they uh it's a bit of sibling rivalry as well you know and so you like to kind of tease your brothers and this sort of thing for things that have happened over time but uh so i would i'm going to kind of cop out and say that we don't actually hate each other but that we love each other so much we can tease each other for centuries well said i would like to follow that up with you some can't oh, okay yeah sorry <laughs> rules are rules what All right. you want to follow are we doing this no. all right wait a second amanda is the judge on all decisions tonight. Yeah, because she decided these guys didn't want to do the podcast because they thought it was a Nepal ego trip. Not true. Not true. So I deferred, I deferred to Amanda, and Amanda said, we're doing the podcast. So Amanda, you can decide right now if we'd like to amend the rules so that there can be a second response. Yeah, I say you can bend the rules. Okay, the rules have been bent. Okay, so Father Asa, remind me, uh, who founded the Jesuits? This is now a conversation, guys. This is us. You make a statement. Don't ask rhetorical questions. That's a question. That's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> Weren't you in the Knights of Columbus? <laughs> okay. You guys are in timeout now. All right. Let, we're going to let the grown-ups talk now. Okay. Uh, Father Evan, uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola okay. founded the Jesuits. Who founded the Dominicans? St. Dominic founded. Who founded the Franciscans? St. Francis of Assisi. Who founded the diocesan priesthood? Um... Constantine. <laughs> Is that yeah. it? Are yeah, we done? That's a, yeah. that's a cynical modern response. That was a terrible answer to your, your really terrible question. So, okay, let's... Uh, Anne, Mary Ann Lococo. Uh, hand, hand the phone so we can read the question. If, oh. Wait. She doesn't want you to see the... Can a person be pro-choice, okay with premarital sex, okay with birth control, and okay with gay marriage, and still be Catholic? Who's going to answer this one? I'll answer it very quickly. The answer is no, you cannot be. Because morality is, is de fide, right? So when we talk about de fide, the beliefs that all Catholics hold, what makes us Catholic, there's primary beliefs, so there's specific things that are taught directly by Christ, and then there are implicit beliefs as well that are that are in the same deposit, in the same thing, but they're in a secondary mode. But they're all what we call de fide. So if you're dissenting on the majority of moral issues, thinking they're kind of a secondary thing, and I have like the Catholic faith, and then, but I don't know about all this other moral stuff, you've actually destroyed the entire integrity of the whole thing. So I would say, uh, can you do it? Well, yeah, you can do it, but you're living, a, you're living a lie. It's just totally inconsistent. But that sounded like a very jerk re response. Most people don't know this, right? And most people don't understand this, so they just kind of hear these things in the world. They hear that there's all these controversial moral teachings, and they're confused, right? So this is not, you don't hammer somebody and say, you know, well, how can you say that about gay marriage? It's day fide, day, and, you, you know, this is not obviously a very pastoral approach. But I think, to be very clear, there's no way faith and morals can be separated. You can just say, I got the faith, but not the morality. Yeah, and just another way of saying that is who, there's no gatekeeper saying you can and you cannot be Catholic. But at a certain point, you can realize I am no longer Catholic, and you can be no longer Catholic. And I think if you if you go too far in a certain direction with your um, your commitments to the way um, kind of accepting certain ways of thinking, um, you've crossed the line between being Catholic and not being Catholic. And you just have to recognize that about yourself. It's not like someone's going to kick you out, but you might have walked out. 
I just killed all of the joy in this room right now. But, uh, <laughs> it's your fault. No, it's a good question. No, I will say this, It's though. a very good question. I think it's very important for, for all of us, but I think for people of your age especially. In, that's in my own life, before I um, had an encounter with Christ and kind of saw the, the, the totality of the faith, kind of how it all fit together, all the pieces fit into this beautiful, integral unity. But I, when I was picking and choosing, it, it always was against my will. It was always something that I was like fighting against. And it, and it just, it was always oppressing upon me. And until you just kind of make, you're able to say, nope, the whole thing kind of fits together, you know. And sometimes that takes time to get to that point. Um, but that's, it's the only way. And especially as the culture gets more secularized, um, the days of kind of floating through as a cultural Catholic, those days are over, I think. So, so we got to get, uh, if we're, str- if we're struggling with it, that's okay. That's a great place to be. If we're not thinking about it, then that's, that's problematic. So, good. Yeah, good question, friend. Nick Vance. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. We haven't introduced Joe McGill, really. I mean, we said who we, we said he's here. Okay, Joe McGill, seminarian for the Diocese of Paisley from Scotland, and uh, he's really a groupie of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Joe, you've been listening to it. <laughs> yeah. But he, no, he's a great friend of ours. He's also um, helping us out here in the chaplaincy uh, team for Bernardi. And so we're very happy to have you here, Joe. Thank you, Father Evan. Uh, first, thing I want to say I want to try and hit this sweet spot between not sounding not Scottish enough, but also being understood. Yes. Because if I put a funny accent on so you guys can hear me, people will make fun of me back home. Uh, so I need to try and find that sweet spot. <laughs> anyway. We get you so far. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, well. so, so here's the question. In, uh, in a lot of Catholic speak between relationships between men and women, there's a speak of uh, emotional chastity. Can you explain that? <laughs> um, so Nick asked um, for an explanation about emotional chastity. Um, <laughs> thanks for that, Nick. Um, <laughs> So, what do you call yourself good at it? Uh, oh, wow, there's another question. Okay, go on. Um, <laughs> so, um, emotional chastity. This is a good question. Um, I think what we want to, when we talk about this stuff, um, all too often I think uh, it's split. You were talking about it in relationships particularly. And I think when we talk about these things, all too often it's split between the girls get told what to wear and the guys get told to, like, not flirt, basically. Um, now, while they're clearly uh, two things that pertain more to uh, each gender, I think the question of emotional chastity doesn't just apply to to one gender. Um, I think we need to speak about it in terms of uh, being uh, open to more to God than to... I don't know, where, where am I going with this? Help me out here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm not totally sure where I'm going with it. Um, I'm like, a, I'm like a Padawan p- compared to these guys. Um, <laughs> what? I got a mic <laughs> coming over. All right, I don't want to cut you off. No. I think you're, I think you're doing a good job because the challenge with this question is that there's something true in it, but then there's also an extreme that it gets taken to. So we're trying to kind of find the middle, middle ground here. There's a whole podcast on this topic that I'd like to uh, point you back to about five years ago, uh, where I took this thing on. My take on it, which might be different, um, is that uh, I don't like the phrase. I'm not a big fan. Shocker. But I'll tell you who does like the phrase, probably. 
maybe that guy, based on some previous conversations. So, the uh, yeah, I, I'm just putting that out there. And um, but basically, chastity is a form of temperance, and I think that the questions with how to relate well with men and women is fundamentally one of prudence. So it's a different kind of virtue. So I don't think it's just like I have these. Um, these sensational um, concupiscible appetites and I'm just around women and I just need to be emotionally just kind of hold it all together and then, you know, that's just not a very healthy way to live. (laughs) And uh, it's more about prudence, you know. Should I go for that long walk on the Tiber with that girl that, you know, we've been uh, kind of casually flirting with all semester priority and, you know, just talk about kind of what's God doing in our life? Like, is that a good idea? That I think that's what they're saying, emotional chastity. I understand the the concern, and I think it's legit, but that's a that's a prudential question, I think, right reasoning in action. So, yeah, I think it's it's about it's about that middle way between being too lax about things, but getting or and getting like really worried about it to the point where it's just taking over your whole life and every single relationship you have, you're constantly worried about. Oh, am I being chased enough emotionally here? Like, you need to still relate like a human. <laughs> At the end of the day, we're not robots. Um, yeah. Well done. Young Padawan. <laughs> yeah, the Padawan. Well Padawan. Indeed. It's like Anakin Skywalker <laughs> or something. No. Um, yeah, it's great. Joe is like our uh, our younger brother in the companion, so we have this kind of community. I think he's the closest one to have been dating recently. I don't know. I think <laughs> yeah, it's been like it's been about like half my life. No, yeah. not like you now. Have a, you have an accumulated 60 years between the four of us. Since yeah, we, we went on all, our last date. So. We were all just boys when we entered right? seminary as well. <laughs> we, all, we went to seminary at 18. You don't look so sure. Yeah. I don't know. So. You, couldn't, you couldn't hear who I was pointing no, to. Good, well done. <laughs> Difficult question. Okay. Oh. Next question. Oh, they can't be running out already. Will. Two. One. Can you explain the variety of footwear? Uh. Oh. oh, yeah. Anybody? All right. Put a foot up, gents. So you got Licky's got his. Uh, it goes from formal to from formal to least formal to less formal to mid formal. So Evan's got his shoes that he shined this morning, right? Uh, Licky's got his grandma socks on with his. Uh, put your foot up again. <laughs> part of the. And then I got the uh, the Burke. I forgot to put socks on, so everybody's staring at my feet. Maybe during mass, that's that's like the trashiest thing. After if you stop wearing. Yeah, that's true. If you stop wearing. If you stop wearing socks at mass, it's like next thing you know, you're gonna wear a T-shirt with a Roman collar on it, like it's just and sweatpants. So I gotta really tuck it, pull it back together. And then he just lost his shoes. So no, I don't like shoes. Yeah, I don't wear them if I don't have to. <laughs> no one told me that I was had the easiest to. question we've had yet. Thank you. And second question for Father Coop. Ah, Father Coop. He was my spiritual director. Huh? Yes, Will. <laughs> Okay, so Will, who identifies himself as my former spiritual director, <laughs> I have no comment, um, asks, how do you explain faith uh, to someone who embraces scientism effectively? Yeah, materialism. Materialism? <laughs> okay. Um, this is such a shabby operation. Oh, my gosh. What are, why are you touching, touching the screen? <laughs> That's not a touch screen. That's like that's a Mac. Oh, okay, okay. I never know what he's doing. It's. He's I think if I were if I were responding, uh, can I answer the question? Can I finish? 
Yes, you can okay. finish. Um, I think if I'm talking, it's very good to identify who I'm talking to because I would explain it differently to different people. But if I'm talking to a, uh, yeah, a atheistic materialist who basically embraces uh, a kind of um, the only things that are true are things that are measurable and observable uh, that I can record. Um, I would just challenge that concep conception of truth. I, I would point out to them that there is even such a thing as like natural faith, that faith is uh, really just in, uh, handing over myself, my judgment uh, to an authority, which human beings do all of the time, right? I mean, our classic definition of faith uh, as, as Catholics is, uh, is believing in God who can neither deceive nor be deceived. That it's, I believe the truths of the faith on the basis of the authority of the one who reveals that he is credible. Well, we do that all the time. on a, That's supernatural faith, which comes through grace and the Holy Spirit. But we do that all the time on a natural level, you know. Uh, I, I have never in my life empirically proved that uh, England is an island, right? But I believe it on the basis of authorities that are credible, uh, that, uh, that have told me that and have seen it themselves. Uh, furthermore, could this scientistic uh, fellow prove that his mother loves him in that sense? Can he say that that's really true, uh, if that's his conception of, of truth? Uh, well, no, he can't. But he does, it would be absurd and it would be inhuman for him uh, to, to say, well, I actually don't know it's true because I can't empirically uh, verify it. Uh, so just to point out to, uh, that actually this dynamic of faith by which I assent to something on the basis of an authority, uh, a, a truth that I cannot necessarily verify or or logically prove through my own reasoning, that's actually not against reason itself. That's not against uh, our, our rational nature, uh, if that makes sense. I'd point you to John Henry Newman has got a lot of great stuff on this. Um, but that's my, that's my thought of where I would go with, with uh, a person like that. Thoughts? From me? Yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas also talks about this. And he says, to God as the first <laughs> truth, right? Yeah, but also he has a little thing about apologetics, actually. And he says that when you're talking with someone that doesn't share your first principles, you know, who doesn't share, like, the principles of the faith, you can't explain the faith to them, you know? But I think your question is, how do you, how do you show that faith is somehow rational to someone, that it's rational to, to believe in something, you know? Because you're not going to prove the Trinity to Richard Dawkins, you know? It's just not going to happen. Um, so St. Thomas says, first of all, what you do is um, you ask them to, like Father Evan was actually talking about too, is you ask them to kind of explain what they actually believe, what they think, you know. Uh, and you can either show inconsistencies in that, you know, or show how it's incomplete. And so that's what Father Evan was pointing out. So actually, I would just say I agree with Father Evan, which doesn't happen that often. So. It really doesn't happen that often. Um, yeah, well done, gentlemen. Good, good question, good answers. If you can only see that the, the Dominican habit is all is all white, and then Father Coop is all black on the other side. It's like a total duel. I love it. <laughs> so yes. the conflicts and so-called landmines in these relationships are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I would say, uh, mostly by Father John. Hey, you should name the yeah. the one who's at fault. You're friends with somebody who is histrionic, all right? A little dramatic, so this is, should not be a shocker. So, Cuba. Oh. 
Let's start with him. We'll both take a shot at this. The question is... <laughs> what? What? Ah, take a shot at this. Okay, yeah. I don't, there's some game going on. They like I'm... puns. He must have made 50 bucks off that. Oh, no. Uh, what's the question? They like dad jokes. Yeah, I guess. So yeah. what's the line between tipsy and drunk? Is that right? And sinfully drunk. The answer so we've to the got, question where, where is... Where are the lines between tipsy and drunk and sinfully drunk? Or between drunk and sinfully drunk? <laughs> the difference is there's crunked oh. in the middle and then sin- yeah, yeah, yeah. sinfully crunked. This is, can I stand? Uh, am I still dancing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So supposedly St. Thomas Aquinas says, seriously... He doesn't actually say it. Drink to the point of hilarity. Oh, we've heard it. This is definitely De hilaritate. We got a myth buster Even in here. the Latin, how pr- oh, that's got to be Aquinas. I just yeah, said it in drink, Latin. He says drink to hilarity. Drink to the point of hilarity. Look urban legend. Look it up. Google Both it. of these guys are shaking I've, their heads, all right? I tried to look it up, but it doesn't exist. Well, you probably should look harder. So, the uh, yeah, oh, you you start. So you should explain what that means. Well, you give you give them. You start. I, I, I got to sit next to All right, so it has something to do with uh, culpability and, um, oh, see, I'm just like, I went on, a, I went on a, li- a Vatican library tour this afternoon, and I'm so distracted by the beauty of this place. You're going to love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, someday, you'll, you'll see it. Okay. Uh, you can lose your inhibitions by drinking alcohol, by drinking too much alcohol. You can lose your freedom, and you can, um, you can do things that you otherwise would not do. Um, at that point, if you are doing things, especially bad things, if you are uh, committing sins, um, that you otherwise would not have been doing, I, I think that's uh, s- s- uh, morally culpable. Um, it's uh, sinful. Um, the, but that doesn't that doesn't exhaust the kind of definition um, losing your inhibitions and there's a spectrum on that in that kind of line as well. Is that is that kind of the big that that's what's at stake is kind of losing your freedom. I think I think that is the question because the, the catechism makes a distinction between um, alcohol, tobacco, and gambling actually, um, and uh, drugs. And the difference is that um, these substances can be used in moderation, and they're not intrinsically evil, right? So there's, there's alcohol is not in itself a, an evil thing, but um, it, because you can use it in such a way that, is, um, that allows you to, you know, for a number of reasons, there's, there's good reasons to, to drink alcohol. Um, but if you push that too far and you start to, to compromise that which is uniquely human, namely your ability to make decisions and act on them, right? The loss of, when you start losing the intellect and the will, and you're just dancing. He loves to dance. His his New Year's well, resolution. Well, I would dance without drinking. Yeah, that's true. So that's not his New yeah. Year's resolution last year was to dance more, and uh, he fulfilled it. Right. It's true. But so regardless if you that dance, was personal. I, I don't. I dance like I dance like a refrigerator. So I, uh, it has to be alcohol induced. Otherwise, it ain't happening. Um, but I think that's the, that's the key. Is you want to watch that line um, to say, um, it, it's just not. It's just, and the body is meant, I mean, you know, you know, when you've drank too much, it's just, it's all built right in there. Uh, and especially the next morning, you, you know it. Um, so I think just moderation is the key, learning to use I things in moderation. you can, uh, most people know themselves. It's different for everybody, how much you can drink. Um, 
you're going to act in ways that I think you learn as you go, actually, um, unless you're trying. Obviously, if you're trying to binge drink and you're trying to just get drunk, that's a bad plan, and that's probably a sinful action. But if it's a question of the line, that's something you learn with life, and you're probably going to learn from regrets. A bad text sent to the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> uh, uh, probably over. Well, he's pointing um, at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the... Uh, um, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to list every problem. And it's fine <laughs> from alcohol. That would be a long litany. It's just different, too. Like our buddy, Father Nathan, who is a, a very large fellow, and uh, but he cannot hold alcohol. If he was on the podcast right now, he would say that. So he has to kind of watch it. If you, know? you get sick, it's an indication you probably drank too much. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to medically you I'm know, trying to find assert like, like that, but objective yeah, no, criteria. <laughs> okay. It looks like uh, Savonarola on my left here has prepared the... Uh, it's just to say, if you go online and talk about ad hilari tatum, that's what they're drinking, you're going to get lots of bloggers talking about it, but St. Thomas actually never talks about it. But it comes from a, a moral so this manual. this is the Mythbuster. This is Catholic the, stuff I, you should know. It's Catholic Mythbuster. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what we're doing right now. It's yeah, just, so just kind of It comes from a Dominican <laughs> moral theology manual from the 20th century. So it's certainly ad mentem sancte tome. But I mean, it's, but it's not. Yeah, it's of the tradition. It's of the mind of St. Thomas, but it's not St. Thomas himself. Mm. Um, but he actually says that, um, you know, so uh, you want to avoid scandal whenever you drink, you know, but especially when you're at certain kind of, you know, weddings and other worldly festivals, um, that you want to avoid scandal by drinking, especially certain kinds of people. So priests, fathers of families, uh, they should have especially avoid scandal whenever they're at parties and drinking, actually. So they shouldn't even drink to Ad Hillary Tatum, actually. Oh, that's good. I feel really bad because I took these guys out for a drink about halfway through the semester, and the drink orders came out, and here's all the little piccolos, piccolos, somebody got a media, and I'm the only one who ordered the liter at this German place, and I was like, and the waitress is looking at me like, there's something really strange with this, this group, and I was like, yep, so. Yeah, I'd just like to add, um, we actually all went out as a group, almost all of us, uh, to do a, a tour of a, of a winery, a vineyard near, near uh, Orvieto. And uh, I really liked, actually, some of the things that uh, our, our tour guide said, and she was explaining kind of the culture of, of wine, uh, uh, that it's a beautiful thing, and it's meant to accompany and facilitate social relationships, you know, is one of the things she said. And uh, basically, well, she said, drinking alone is sad, right? That's what she said. Uh, and she keeps her best bottles of wine for her best friends uh, to share with them, and she wouldn't just sit down and, uh, you know, uh, slam, slam a, you know, a 2000 Bordeaux. Uh, that's not actually what it's for. Uh, but that this is a gift. Uh, one of the things she said actually, which was really cool was she said, we just leave the grapes on the vine. Uh, they sour. Uh, she said, nature makes vinegar, man makes wine. Uh, that wine is a, is a, is a actually a sign of human culture. Uh, it's a good thing. Song of Songs says your love is better than wine, right? Uh, that presupposes that wine is a good thing. Um, but when it's pursued as an end in itself, or it's kind of, uh, it, it's taken from that auxiliary role of uh, bringing uh, warmth and joy to people's uh, hearts and their interactions, when it's made kind of a god in itself, or even uh, this is just uh, a way to produce a particular experience in me, uh, that's when it gets, that's when it gets uh, dangerous. Yeah. Well said. Well done. We have time for one more question. Emily, oh, who was the last one in the back? Okay, we have time for two more questions if we answer them quickly, gentlemen. Okay. Okay. 
as you. He just did a podcast on this last week. You're answering this one. Well, no, not on the, the legal stuff. And not on the modern stuff. Mine was kind of historical. Um, there are 23 different, I, this could be wrong too. <laughs> I just quoted this last week. 23 different rights in the Catholic Church. Uh, the Latin right is the biggest right, and that's the one that we belong to, I think, most of us here. No? Okay, so then there's all kinds of other um, Christian groups. Uh, the rights can belong to particular areas or um, historical traditions that can move throughout the world. So sometimes a language, a proper language for liturgy can go with a right. Uh, a lot of times they're marked by art. Um, other times by um, a kind of cultural identity or national identity. So you'll have the Maronite rite uh, in Lebanon. You'll have the Syro-Malakar or Syro-Malabar traditions um, east of Syria and such. Okay, so there's all these different groups, um, and they've developed historically, and the Catholic Church is made up of all of these. Catholic means universal, and it includes all of these different pieces and tries to kind of safeguard the identity, cultural identity of these various uh, churches. There's also orthodoxy, which is uh, a phenomenon. Can I say 1054, or do I have to include the ones before? No, just say 1054. There's, like, uh, there's other things. There's a big split between Catholics and Orthodox in the year 1054, and then uh, a lot of the Christians in the Greek world and the Russian, or kind of Russian-Ukrainian, there's a lot of people who would be offended if I just named those nations, um, but a lot of the northeastern part of the globe that belong to the Orthodox churches that are not uh, in communion with the Pope, uh, do not recognize the Pope as the, um, don't have the same ideas about his authority with us, even though they might respect him as a bishop. Uh, and then they have, they have different attitudes about the sacraments. So I, th I think, as it stands, Orthodox are allowed to have sacraments in the, or are allowed to receive our sacraments in the Catholic Church, and um, we recognize all of their sacraments as valid. Um, we are not allowed to, to receive some sacraments in the Orthodox Church because they do not recognize all of our, um, all of our sacraments as valid. And um, we're trying to, uh, we've been trying to, at least for the last 100 years, um, I don't know, for a long time, maybe the last thousand years, um, try to, try to um, build, uh, build fe what would you call that, kind of build up the relationship and reconcile between this uh, kind of split between Catholics and Orthodox. They are apostolic in the sense that they are bishop. They have apostolic succession, and they have the same faith, the same integrity of the faith. Um, the difference is that they rejected the universal jurisdiction of the pope. So the question becomes: Everybody. I think she's talking about Catholic rights. Are you? Are you talking about Orthodox or Catholic rights? Twenty-three different groups that make up the Catholic. Yeah, fundamental dif differentiation here is between Eastern Rite Catholics. So you could have, uh, for instance, uh, there are Coptic. Catholic uh, Christians in Egypt. They're also Coptic Orthodox. Yeah, so they so they would share the same liturgical right and theological tradition. One is in no, no, no. with the Pope and one's not. We're, we're confused. That's good. It's a good I, distinction. I think you were asking about why do we say that we're in communion? No? 
Because that, that's a point that we wouldn't say, but you're asking about the relationship generally. Yeah, I think, I think one of the fundamental problems is the Petrine ministry. So we believe that the bishops are the successors of the apostles, but we believe only Peter's successor is a direct succession, and that as the first among equals, he shares a universal jurisdiction. It's kind of a fancy, complicated term, but basically that he has, he decides who the, the bishops are in that sense. Does that make Making faces, he's falling asleep. So, the um, they that's the that's really one of the main struggles is how is Peter related to the other apostles? So the bishops, the Orthodox bishops, who are not in communion with the Pope, they know they're not in communion with the Pope, but they disagree about the the way that we're exercising the papal office in the Latin rite. Does that make sense? And that's the fundamental point of contention. There's a lot of historical problems. There's some other things as well, but it, it's a very sad and complex history of the last thousand years, unfortunately. So we have to keep praying for unity. That's the most important thing. But they, they really are different than Protestantism, um, which is a fundamental reworking of the faith um, in the 16, fundamentally in the 16th century. So good question. Emily, sorry to rush us, guys, but we got to. Yes. Okay, so the question is, how do you explain the faith or explain faith, just faith in general, to someone who doesn't even believe in truth as a principle, that there are facts because I can see things, I can see that you exist, so I have to believe in that in a sense, right? But as far as truth, that's going to be somehow action guiding or somehow universal above us doesn't exist somehow. It's basically the problem of relativism. This is what you're asking about, right? Okay. Um, so again, I'll go back to what we were talking about before. In a sense... Um, you, you can't kind of necessarily just kind of explain this out, uh, explain this to someone. It's not like some sort of syllogism you can give them, like, ah, I just never heard that before, now I believe all this stuff, you know. Um, I think the first thing is to kind of say, well, okay, let, let's talk, see what they actually think about things. And you'll see, like Father Evan was saying earlier, um, it's just the fabric of human existence that we believe things. It's just the fabric of existence that we believe that there is some sort of universal truth. There are certain sorts of moral claims and this sort of thing um, that just be being a human being, you're going to sign on to somehow, you know. Um, but again, there's a prudence. There's an evangelical prudence, all right, that's going to have to be had to say, where is this person coming from? What are his or her concerns? And these sorts of things. Um, so I would say I would rely less and less on um, finding, like, the perfect argument and this sort of thing. And I'd rely on a couple other things, first of all. Um, you yourself living a joyful witness of living in the truth is actually really important. And showing that actually this organizes my life. I'm not just some sort of Kool-Aid drinking, brainwashed, you know, sort of uh, whatever. Uh, but that this actually gives me joy and lets me live in the world and actually engage the world in some um, deeper way somehow that way. And then also giving witness, I think, particularly as modern Catholics, um, to say, in this moment right here, talking to this person, I might not have every single answer or argument that's going to totally convince you, you know. Um, but there is a confidence that we should have, it seems to me, uh, in speaking to anyone, especially about the question that we had at the very beginning. Had I been given the permission to speak earlier, uh, what I may have said... Um, 
would be that um, if someone comes to me and says, well, Father, I don't really buy all this stuff about, you know, abortion or about contraception or about premarital sex, whatever, like this thing. What I would always do whenever I got these sorts of questions in people, I would say there's a big difference between a difficulty and a doubt. And I think you want to make, and this distinction comes from Cardinal Newman. I'll grant you that, okay? Um, so uh, the language of it, at least. I'm not sure the principle does. But, uh, the, but there's a huge difference between a difficulty and a doubt, a difficulty says, before something that's being presented to me, I don't get this. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me right here and right now. Or I find this really hard to live. You know? A doubt says, therefore, because this thing does not make sense to me, I don't get this, therefore it's not true. There's an act of the will that happens there in a doubt that is not necessarily happening in a difficulty. There's a big difference. And I think we want to push people and just kind of say, um, you know, if we have difficulties with this sort of thing, we need to have, we need to make an act of faith and realize that we think the truth is out there, you know, uh, and that it's discoverable, it's been revealed to us, and that we actually have access to it. And I, my little brain right here and right now might not know all that, but it's there, and I have access to it. And if we will have the humility and take the time to try and find the answers, they're there, and actually that answer is a person who loves me and who's called me into love and relationship with him, and that um, I can follow him and live happiness with him. I mean, that's the way I would go with people. I think anything less than that is only going to have so much success. Well done. Well done. Ellie, I'd I'm like to so get him to start a podcast on evangelization. I know. He's, he's good. <laughs> well, good. thank that's you, gentlemen. Response. We're going to conclude with, uh, Milad, can you tell Thanos we need five minutes? And uh, thank you. He's going to be waiting for dinner. But as we conclude this podcast tonight, I'd like to ask each of our hosts here, including Joe, to um, give a quick shout-out if they have one, and then a piece of advice um, to the Bernardians, because we're coming to the end of the semester here, um, and uh, so just kind of a, I don't know, something about that you'd like to advise on uh, in terms of living the faith. We'll start with Father Evan. A shout-out being greetings to some person I know? Yes. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I'll give a shout out then uh, to, let's see here, my nieces and nephews. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so I say hello, Father Evan says hello. Uh, and then one thing, a piece of advice for living the Christian life. Uh, you had mentioned uh, this earlier today, and as I was thinking of it, my first thought was, well, the importance of daily prayer. Uh, but really then I came back to, well, in order for us to enter into a life of prayer, uh, the prerequisite is actually silence uh, that is ver very much under attack uh, today and under threat, um, that we, uh, we do not have silence in our lives uh, that is necessary in order to hear the voice of God and, and really have contact with reality, just like go out into the forest and, and just be and, and, and receive being. Uh, we don't have that. We live in a virtual world and a very noisy world. So just the importance of uh, turning off the radio in the car uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, entering into a place of silence, at least carving out some <clears throat> silence every day to give the Lord the chance uh, to speak to us. So I'm going to put my vote in for silence. Shout out or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, I've got more than one. Is that right? Go for it. we got to hustle yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Emily Erickson in Grand Rapids, um, Conor Day in Glasgow, and my mum and dad, who are all listeners of this podcast. Um, Shout out, mom and dad. Yeah, I know. Um, the backyard looks great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Um, following on from what Father Evan said, uh, my one piece of advice would be to try and cultivate a personal relationship um, with Jesus um, through the silence that he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so my shout out goes to two um, sisters in Brooklyn, New York, um, Justine and Margaret Fernandez, who listen to this, and they actually badgered you in an email to make me be on the podcast at some point. So, oh, you've it, done it. You've so won. So, ladies, it finally happened. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then my piece of advice is um, you cannot live the Catholic faith on your own. And so uh, anytime that you uh, move, life changes, whatever you do, um, uh, in order to live the faith, you have to have friends. You have to have people in your life that live the faith with you. And this is crucial and important. It doesn't, and, and up, up through college, friendship just kind of happens because you're in school and you're with kind of people that you know. Um, but, and as you go on in adult life, it doesn't just happen. And so when you find yourself in a new situation, uh, to find a local faith community, to find a parish, to find a group of people that you can live the faith with. Um, because otherwise, it just, um, human existence is just too, it's too big to do on your own. And it's not as much fun either. Um, but it's essential. And so I think uh, to keep this front forward in your mind, particularly a lot of people are going to be graduating you know, in the not-too-distant not future um, and kind of living your own life. And even while you're here, so practice that now. Find friends, make good friends, um, because without friends, life's hardly worth living. So. Yeah. Okay, well, I get to shout out often, so I'm going to pass. Um, <laughs> I, I often do, for those of you who listen. Um, I will give you some advice, though. Uh, one, what's that? Oh, I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm pointing at the crowd. <laughs> yeah, you. I could tell you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I would say, I want to say two things. One is um, don't get worried about everybody else. That's true for life generally. You probably heard this at your high school graduation speech. <laughs> But it's important, and Americans are very good at uh, going with the herd, and I feel, I feel the same way. I feel intimidated when I have to stand out from other people, and uh, as, a, as a Christian, you will and you will have to. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. If they rejected me, they will reject you. Now, that comes in different shades. There are people who have, who have died for Jesus, and there are people that have been killed for him. Hopefully, we will not, but... Uh, there will be people who don't like the fact that you're a Christian. You have to decide at this point in your life whether that's going to matter to you and whether or not you're going to continue to be a Christian and to be a good one. Or are you going to use that as an excuse? Other people don't agree. I'm not sure if they all, uh, you know, understand what I'm, who I am. No. Uh, live a life with God. And if you have the invitation, take it, you know. Okay. So there's that. And then the other one is uh, Jesus commands... Uh, commanded us, and then comp continues to repeat the command at every Mass, uh, peace be with you. Peace be with you. So live in the peace of Christ. Live, wake up in the peace of Christ. Live in the peace of Christ. Be reminded of the peace of Christ all the time. And uh, be peacemakers. Very nice. Well done. Okay, last um, shout out here. Will, this is your buddy, Scott Sexton and his wife. So shout out to them. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, okay, so let's go back to Switzerland for a second. These guys have all heard this little antidote. But right next to the Matterhorn 
is the Klein Matterhorn, right? Sister, which means the little Matterhorn, right? Yeah, she's German. She's, so a, she's a German speaker. Uh, she's losing her German. No, I'm just joking. So um, <laughs> she's taking a lesson from <laughs> Father John on German. That's about all I know. So Klein Matterhorn. There's a cru- huge crucifix on top of it, and um, I hope you can go up there sometime. It's actually not that hard to get up there. It sounds more impressive than it is, but the the crucifix below it is a little sign in German that says Mehr Mensch sein, be more human. And I've been captivated by that. Yes, we got the nod. Mehr Mensch sein, uh, be more human. And so there's a connection between this mountaintop, the crucifix, and then the call of the Christian to just become more human. And that's my advice, is that I really think that the, the litmus test of spiritual growth is always growth in the human life as well. You start getting weird. It doesn't matter how many novenas you're doing. Um, it's something is off kilter. Because remember, John Paul II loved that line, Jesus Christ reveals man fully to himself, right? And so to be Christian, and a lot of these questions are kind of could be distilled, I think, down to like, why? Why do this? Is it possible to live this way? Is it really worth it? How are we going to do this? And it has to be rooted in the conviction that I'm a free and more human person because I know Jesus. And that's a great, beautiful experience to say that I was dead and I was inhuman. I was a, like a kind of a slave, a ghost almost. Uh, and he makes me more human. I become more alive, more joyful, more myself, more uh, desirous, more a person of love and passion when I meet Jesus, when it gets ordered according to his grace. So that'd be the advice. Mad Men Stein. Is that good? Beautiful. Thank you all. This was fun. Yes, thank you. God bless you. So, uh, and thank you to those who are listening. Thank you for putting up with the crazy volumes and stuff. And thank you to our, our co-hosts, your Father Evan, Father Austin, and uh, Joe McGill. Great you to do. have you guys with us. Uh, CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we got to go to dinner. So, we'll see you. Ciao. Buonasera. Buonasera.